0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to an episode of the End Time Tribune and our branch, End Time Tribune Media. We're going into another episode of The Crucible as we continue to build forward in this timeline and make every attempt we possibly can to get things sort of sorted out here, I would say. Uh, Matthew,
0: do we got you here in the seat? Yes, you do. Good to be with everybody tonight. As we go deeper, you know, today I spent some time on a different topic, um, a show we're going to be doing here very soon, I think, uh, about a sign happening in 2018. I collected historical data today that is really quite chilling to the bone because I found references to it here within the last month that things are churning in the many uh, nations and languages and tongues of the sea. It's being churned. So we're certainly not doing this too early. Uh, We're certainly way late in the game. With data that we've collected over, oh my goodness, uh, spanning back five and six years, uh, we have covered this topic before um, in a different light. The kingdom divided against itself. But we need to come to grips with localities. What happened in those localities because it's quite chilling. I mean, Brian, we've told everybody before that when you look at the trek of Isis, it took the exact same trek as the Assyrian. And these place names that keep coming up in the news people have to realize that those are modern names. And there's actually things going on the ground right now that happened in these same exact places. Literally thousands. So in order to perceive what is to come, we must study what has been. Because that's what comes out of God's own mouth. And he does not stutter. So when he puts a thing... As a way, that is the way it is, I mean, it is no other way. So we are doing this constant uphill battle with trying to expose these cunningly devised fables, uh, coming to grips with what was actually happening on the ground with the ancient historians – there were instances where they were getting second-hand information. There were other times when they actually visited the place and got the direct data. So with that in mind, uh, we need to perceive what has been, or we have no hope of being caught unawares in what is to come. So Brian, that is my opening comments about this that we're going to delve back into tonight. Uh, which spans the exact same places we're having all the trouble in today. So, back to you.
1: Well, I mean, that, I guess, would be a prominent point. You know, everybody, uh, I had spent several years when I started doing this uh, back at, say, the midst of 2010, moving forward into 2011, sitting down. And really digging deeply into the history books and really getting to the bottom of all of these varied uh places, well, specifically throughout that one content that obviously stretches all the way from be it the uh sides of up there on the uh from Israel, going north, going west, going east. They even went so far as to look in the very band spot itself at the Kings of the East. By doing that, when I decided to shift gears last year, we went on a uh, little bit of a different course for a while. I began to look deeply at the last 120 years, stretching back to the 1890s and even forward. Now, of course, I've looked quite a bit at, obviously, things leading up to there, going throughout the Middle Ages and forward as well, because, of course, when you study the kings of the East, for one, you can't skip that portion of history. I've looked at the uh, rise of Islam quite extensively, the different ideas that were going on at that time, aspects of its religion, because to get a kind of broad understanding of getting to where we are now, you sort of have to have a foundation under your belt And, I mean, you'll find out that even good war reporters and journalists that are out there, well, the good ones, they've learned to carry a history book in their back pocket to understand what it is that is going on around them to get some kind of perspective going back, be it further through ancient times, even taking it up to modern modern, uh, colonial times. And there's a reason I state it like that, because it's colonialism and um, imperialistic ideologies that came forth at the time for instance when Britain was ruling over these vast swaths of land really had uh, started stirring the pot that led to a lot of the troublesome factors that we see throughout the world today and that's just it without these foundations when you sit down to look at the just mass amount of documentation now that I'm having to go through because I've got I wish this was a joke. It's not. I've got stacks of books here I have to go through in the midst of continuing forward in this program. And I had to change course again this week. And I went and picked up a book uh, titled The Secret War with Iran, The 30-Year Clandestine Struggle Against the World's Most Dangerous Terrorist Power. And he, the author of this book is known as one of the most prominent... uh, I'd say defense analyst, not to even mention uh, Mossad operation experts in the field. He's had access to many folks and in sit down interviews. He's had access to documents that a lot of people are not allowed access to. So therefore, you know, as I pointed out before, if you're going to get to the bottom of uh, certain said topics, especially as what we're dealing with here in our modern uh, geopolitical understanding, If you don't get a hold of either be it those that have worked within the intelligence agencies or varied branches of the governing body connected into those places itself or get your hands on material from journalists that have actually had major, how would you say that, connections with these people, have done multiple interviews, eyewitness testimony and all that. You're not really going to get anywhere. Somebody's opinion looking from the outside and just delving in that way, albeit it might be a little bit useful, but it doesn't really give us an understanding of the complexities of what we're dealing with here. If you want to understand what's happening in the world today, you've got to understand what's happening in the shadows. And I really wish there was a better way to say this, but there's not. And this is essentially... why I'm very specific about how I look at these things. Because, of course, you've got what's on the surface with the wars themselves that are breaking out. But you have what's going on under the surface. And that's when you have to combine all of these things together to try to make sense of this. This includes even, you know, the amount of documentaries I'm once again going through per week is literally getting to be off the charts. Because in a lot of these documentaries, you also get to see sit down, filmed. Uh, interviews with certain people that have been involved in various aspects, be them government officials, people involved with certain bodies that have been affected by the events, just all sorts of things. So when you take all of these things and start putting them together, then the picture becomes clear. Now, the unfortunate thing is, and I kind of liked how a article – Over the course of the uh, last couple of weeks here, pretty much nailed it on the head. And of course, I kind of, if I remember correctly, I restrained myself because I had a feeling I'd probably end up with some backlash for posting it. But the key of the article pretty much stated what I had experienced from the time when I had walked into the world of, uh, I'd say, modern-day churchianity. After I was saved, obviously, I walked into the infamous branches of the health, wealth, prosperity, the dominionist movements, all of that stuff. That's what I got to see with my own eyes. And of course they were going down the same trail as this author of this article had relayed that he had grown up watching as well. And I even remember being out for instance, in Chicago at the pastor's house who married us, uh, his mother was all deeply involved with, uh, The end times as well, but of course Here's the direction it went Because as this Journalist pointed out, and I've witnessed this With my own eyes, so I can kind of say Yeah, that's the way things are He said he grew up in this house It was supposed to be this Christian household But all they would talk about is Conspiracies, about the new world order About this, about that And just to the point where everything Was complete and absolute nonsense And Folks, you can go out. I mean, I've even still got some of these books sitting around here. You can go out and find books that were written in the last 20 years um, by, you know, prominent supposed theologians and their big diatribes on the New World Order. And, and all this nonsense. You can go out there and chart this stuff. And I'm, for many of you here in the American churches, you know full well this is happening. You cannot deny this. As a matter of fact, you're seeing this at the forefront. of A vast majority of these uh well, how do we put this nicely? Because there's no way to put it nicely. The vast forefront of these false teachings. It makes matters worse in this. It's Because when you begin to recognize a pattern that started in the 1800s and is rolled forward, be it in places in the Middle East, be it in the American and Western churches, there's an interconnecting thread. And that thread unraveled itself when we hit 1979. Now there's a reason we entitled this program what we did, Wolves in Sheep's Clothing. What started in 1979 at its root was a war of ideologies, as many began to dub these things a modern-day holy war. And that, to a degree, I would say could sum it up quite well. But at the same time, what has been at the heart of this, you see, these ideologies that are going on, especially very prominently from that time frame amongst two religions in the world, had all found themselves exposed to bad shepherds that were twisting the words of the foundations of their specific faiths. And the parallels... When you begin to look at both parallels You begin to consider the timeline You begin to understand The progressions And what happened In both circles And how all of a sudden It exploded on the world scene Starting in 1979 And then became very prominent In 1980 You really begin to step away And just shake your head and I'd say these, some of this stuff is probably in the midst of topics that nobody wants to talk about. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be addressed. I think it's high time that these things are addressed because they're there, if we like it or not. God warned us that in this day, these things were going to be happening amongst God's people, that you'd have bad shepherds in the mix doing everything that they're doing. The thing is, is when you begin to look at the picture as a whole, you see, you begin to realize after a while that you got bad shepherds in multiple religious groupings throughout the world that are doing the very same thing. And even as Matthew and I discussed the other night, for Pete's sakes, folks, when you've got Buddhists rising up in Myanmar and slaughtering the Islamic population, to say that you have bad shepherds in the mix amongst every extreme... Is an understatement And to get to the root of this We gotta dive back and forth And back and forth Through a couple of pivot points in history Because we had a spot where Darius the Great Seized the throne Putting an end to the line of Cyrus Which Cyrus obviously When he passed on He passed his kingdom into the hands of Cambius And then uh his other son, Bardius, was given a rule over the, uh, eastern realms, or Bactria. Problems broke out there. Cambius was a little bit, uh, well, at least if you're to believe the Greek accounts, he wasn't altogether, um, right in the head. You got some strange par- parallels going on there with the, uh, second that was on the throne in Iran, Reza Shah. At the end of his, uh, Reign, and even starting from 1973 and on forward at the pivot point of the Yom Kippur War With the foundation of the OPEC cartels He began to become really, really unhinged Far beyond what he was before but Then of course we had Bardius in this mix Which of course gets confused with uh, Well, Darius liked to try to pretend he was another one of the Magi Tried to give him a name, Gautama, Gamuda. Some people that are familiar with other religions, they should already recognize that name. I, I've tried to tiptoe around that fact, but at some point, people are just going to have to bear with it and understand it because it is what it is. When you had this overthrow that happened at the time of Darius the Great, he did some very unprecedented things during that time you see this was a how do you put this a battle of epic proportions a battle between good versus evil a battle between the truth versus the lie but here's the problem with that you see Darius the Great being the uh Mastermind, he was in this. He knew that if he was going to shape his propaganda, he had to convince everybody that by rising up against them, they were the followers of the lie, the drudge, as it would be called, in their tongue. And he used this uh, the same religious uh, ideology to suppress any form of revolt. And you had massive revolts going on all over the place. I mean, after he seized that throne, he had to put down revolts that were taking place in Babylon at that time. You had a uh, person that came to the throne that was claiming to be Nebuchadnezzar III. Most likely he probably was, which is atypical of Darius with his propaganda. Of course, he made him into an imposter. So therefore, once again, gaining major legitimacy to his sort of Iron-fisted way of ruling He had other Flare-ups all over the place Elam once again Came back Had to settle Flare-ups there All kinds of things going on Bardia back on the throne Before he was um, Well, assassinated And labeled as an imposter himself And called Gamuda. Had set some Financial Financial situations up uh, that caused a lot of trouble trying to figure out where to pull the money from. And then he pulled it from the wrong place and that made some of the boys behind the scenes, you know, they point out these seven conspirators and then you find out, well, Darius the great's brother was there and you had a sort of eighth in the mix, which is um, a rather interesting riddle. If you step back and consider it for a moment, but they had to put down this, uh, Rebellion in the way they went about it. And of course, by the time once again he had put down another rebellion in Islam, so at that point, they rose up against Mazda himself. therefore they had to be subdued. Oh boy, because now he had instituted a theocratic regime. And anybody who has studied Cyrus the Great, they know this already. Sars the Great never mentioned Ahura Mazda once. Not once. That should have been a key giveaway that maybe something a little different had happened by the time Darius the Great had come along. But of course, you know, as uh, the academic community tends to do, anything that doesn't line up with their already standardized way of applying things, they don't change the history books, they just keep the same repetition of the same nonsense going. So your standard history books, you'll pick it up, and they'll try to tell you it was just a nice peachy keen succession of kings. But that's not what the evidence on the ground has ever shown. When they began to find all the Babylonian cuneiform texts, for instance, they found different texts throughout the areas. You get Cyrus's seal. You set all these things down, you begin to look at them, and you go, wait a minute here. Okay, why Cyrus not stating all these same things that Darius the Great did. Why is Ahura Mazda not here? Why is, wait a minute, he's from a different line of kings. And that's exactly what the evidence has shown. And We covered this in great depth. I I could take this to so much more greater depth if I wanted to. Because the evidence is unending. It really is. But the kind of key critical point is here, is between these groupings of things that happened, either be it between Reza Shah and his royal family, you had Mosaddegh come into the mix, but then you had the 1979 revolution with Ayatollah Khomeini. Something very interesting that should catch everybody's attention here took place with Khomeini. You know, I'll bring in a, a little paragraph. I've got some other material up in the background. I haven't decided if I want to press this too much more because it's going to speak for itself. And I think I'm going to have Matthew amplify it even further once I finish this little paragraph. is from that book, again, The Secret War with Iran, the 30-year clandestine struggle against the world's most dangerous terrorist power. A young man in his family's hometown of Cormaine the future revolutionary became a well-known preacher, acutely expert in the intricacies of the faith, intricacies of the faith, but lacking in charismatic oratory. For many years he professed, at least outwardly, the conservative teachings of the Shia, by which religious sages do not rule themselves, but only advise the king. In 1962, however, Khomeini underwent a dramatic change. After a period of seclusion... He emerged from his bedchamber, convinced that he had been visited by the Archangel Gabriel, God's special messenger, who had told him that Allah had chosen him for great things. Now, there's a little bit more details in here, because I might read this uh, first paragraph a little bit later, because there seems to be a bit of an omen attached to this boy. And when you look into further details on this, for instance, there's an book here called the Shah and the Ayatollah Iranian Mythology and Islamic Revolution well you're going to find out that it appears he was kind of rotating in the same belief systems and same mystical circles that the founders of the branches in what they refer to as the right wing Islamism movements And even up to the foundational aspects of the Muslim Brotherhood because, well, they mixed in the esoteric, they brought in the Sufi, they brought in, oh yeah, they were um, using the Freemasonic lodges. Oh yes, this is all mixed into this uh, variant, this same branch that began to crop up in the late 1800s that Britain Really fostered and stood behind because it was a uh, it was a shield against the varied nationalist movements that were breaking out and varied other movements they didn't like, and that's the whole thing here, folks. Is that's something you have to understand that as you begin to look at this overall picture, you're going to realize that it seems to be the uh, the same factors are involved all the way across the board here. It's. Not by any stretch of the imagination that a certain string of events seem to be interlinked quite deeply between what's going to happen with Alexander the Great, or should we say uh, the shadow and silhouette of Alexander the Great, what happened with him, and what's going to happen See, because when you step back and look at this, you're going to realize there's a connecting factor that you can't escape between the Ayatollah Khomeini's Shia grouping that's in Iran and another connecting factor. Because everybody, I want you to stop and consider for a moment who Iran's allies are. And while you're at it, you might want to stop and consider the path that Alexander the Great took. Because I'm going to... I'm going to take you through a fast progression so that folks can get an idea of what's still on our plates here as we move towards that wonder sign in the heavens that Matthew referred to earlier. See, because there's a link. Because you have, for instance, the first uh, confrontation with Darius III's uh, army that happened at ISIS, which is inside of modern-day Turkey. Well, inside of modern day Turkey, we have Erdogan, who it has become at this point, it's fairly common knowledge throughout the Middle East that he is a uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Then, of course, you know, as things progress, all of a sudden, Alexander goes up and takes Tir in Lebanon. Well, of course, we have Hezbollah operating out there, which is a group that has the very deep, deep, deep. Deep ties to Iran. And yes, it's been pretty much proven beyond any shadow of a doubt. This shouldn't even be up for question for anybody about how deep their links are with Hezbollah. You know, folks, you might want to keep some of these prophecies concerning Lebanon and tier at the forefront of your minds because it all ties in. So, of course, you have that link as well because you've got Iran – is in a league with Lebanon. But on top of it, you have alliance that have been formed with Turkey. But then it was rather interesting. It came to the forefront again. Let me repeat myself again, because this has been out there in the news for quite some time that this was happening. But then the Hamas leader this week did an interview on an Arabic news source And he exposed the entire uh, deep, deep connections between the Islamic Revolutionary Guard and Hamas, between Quds Force and Hamas, the Ayatollahs and Hamas, Iran and Hamas. And Hamas, once again, well, they're just a, a new name painted over the top of the fact that they're Muslim Brotherhood as well. You see... Because in this pattern like I brought up We started with ISIS When well, we had events play out In July of 2014 With the Gülen coup attempt In Turkey Roll things forward Of course as I brought up We have Lebanon We have tear in this mix Don't forget though that Alexander Went out of his way to sack Gaza These are not coincidental factors Folks All of this is linked together. And when you begin to look at all these different parallel factors, it's really going to start chilling you. But you have to know where we've been to understand where we're going. I'm going to hand it over to you, Matthew, to uh, comment. Well, Brian,
0: the main point you kind of glossed over, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistakes about it. I've been speaking about Crusaders since I went public. But you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that there are a whole lot more than Christian Crusaders. The point being, the SS Shepherds, the self-serving Shepherds, they're everywhere. And we have just stumbled into a nightmare that that's exactly what was going on surrounding Cyrus and Darius. Brian just brought up the Buddhist month. That had went wacko. Ladies and gentlemen, get a clue. Uh, Those people are supposed to be the most peaceful people on the planet. And yet with the rise of their own crusader elements, the end always justifies the means to lay down rivers of blood. So when we back up, And we realize what is really going on in the Middle East. You can't really talk about countries. The best way to put what is going on there is actually what we dubbed ISIS. They were traveling across multiple countries with the same ideology. And if you were a Muslim and did not join them, off with your head. People seem to forget that. The Crusader armies were from elsewhere, and they came to Jerusalem to take Jerusalem. However, they were fighting Crusaders that did not belong there. Did I get your attention? Yeah. The other side of the fence that you call Muslims or the Ottomans or however you want to label them, uh, they weren't from there. So you're actually talking about two crusader armies duking it out for Jerusalem. It's the way it always was. And as we investigate the imposter, that was supposed to be a what? Yes, he was a magi. When you start putting two and two together, that Hamas is a thing. You have, well, the Muslim Brotherhood, you have ISIS. What are they? Ladies and gentlemen, they're crusading for the exact same thing. Now, when you lift that veil up and stumble across the information that Erdogan is Muslim Brotherhood, now we've got problems because that makes him an ally with with Iran. Oh, yes, it does. So, I've got information to share with Brian about this sign coming up, and it's not good because... I found two exact matches that just is not good in their historical context. It's just not good at all. So we need to get up to speed on this really quickly with the understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, you know I've never spoke against Muslims. Not ever. Never spoken against Buddhists or any of them. I've always exclusively spoken against crusaders. That's the point, lady. You need the wherewithal to understand that, well, Micah 5 and Ezekiel 34, that data is not exclusive to your particular religious persuasion. A crusader is a crusader. So, with that in mind, Brian, this is critically important that people get this through their head. You know, just like some articles that I shared about a particular country, I'm sure it left everybody stunned. Well, this country invaded another country and it was referred to as a deluge? Uh, for real? Like, no, it was flood. Deluge, yes, and I'm sure the girls were looking at each other like, well, wait a minute, I thought they were a peaceful nation. when did this happen? Well, it happened right underneath the sign with which we're getting ready to go through so Brian, we are revisiting this, but people need to get this into context that we have clear documentable proof across the board that the Iranians, Turkey, Syria, we've got major problems boiling that we should have seen coming, but we're so busy stuck with. Even the name Iran when it was changed, I mean, this is the whole purpose, ladies and gentlemen. If you look up the phrase divide and conquer, one of the examples given is the sykes Picot agreement. That was done for your benefit. So you could be confused and deceived. And that's what the Brian and I have to undo. We have to undo it. I mean, once again today, I have to respond to emails because people are just beside themselves. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, how could you have been fooled into believing that the Lamb is gonna have his day before he who sitteth upon the throne? That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. I mean, how could you how could you have been convinced of that? Oh no God the Father's gonna have his day. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you are hard pressed to find scriptural references to the day of the Lamb. But in comparison with the scriptural documentation for the great day of he who set us upon the throne, there's literally I would say at least five to seven times the amount of data that you can gather. So, with this in mind, uh, there's things going on today, right now, that have us, has us right to where the Stark gun is just somebody pulls the trigger and the Middle East is going to light up like a firecracker everybody's in place the right threats are being made I mean it's absolutely amazing today I'm looking through the news and the EU is trying to scramble to find a way to keep Iran uh, in the boundaries of their agreement and across the pond, the American government is doing everything it can to countermand that. Well, of course we are. But I am rest assured in the simple fact that we will get what we've got coming. Brian? Well,
1: that's uh, just sort of it. Where do we move here? You know, this is... um sort of a key critical element is within one side of the equation, these streams that are taking place in the Islamic world, they have their roots going back to one set organization and its forefathers that led to that organization because if we like it or not, we're, you're going to find Muslim Brotherhood is wrapped into this All the way across the board It's not coincidence that they're A group outside of When uh, Egypt was overthrown During the Arab Spring and they attempted To Sit themselves upon the throne and then they Couldn't exactly figure out how to Run a government properly well they went Back into the shadows again from where they Operate And that history of them alone is Quite Something Because it begins to sort of open our eyes to understanding what it was that happened there with that, uh, that group of uh, bad shepherds that brought in these twistings of corrupting the original, at least let's just keep it to the Quran at least because, you know, let me uh, point out folks, everybody kind of runs around. I've noticed nowadays as they make a point that they try to say all Muslims are bad and then they, They quote from Hadiths. Well, you know, everybody, you need to understand a Hadith is like if you were to go out in the Christian circles and buy a commentary, that's just somebody's opinion. It just don't mean anything. You've got, for instance, uh, one of the documentaries I came across, there's a prominent Frenchman, uh, Islamic scholar. As he's pointed out, these people have... Completely distorted what the Quran states Supposed to be mercy There's supposed to be all kinds of things The people of the book They're supposed to treat well And then there's that uh, That infamous group the Sabians I would keep that in mind because it's rather ironic uh, Some of these Islamic groups Were looking upon Iran And they started calling them the Sabians But nonetheless uh, They're supposed to treat one another With respect be merciful you see the corruption of what's happened in these Islamist circles or as they refer to them as Islamism these extreme ideologies is a complete twisting of what the Quran says now one thing to point out Matthew had uh, brought up ISIS well, they took things to an even far deeper extreme because not only did they go after people that wouldn't convert to, well, Islam, but it was actually more than that. They went after people that would not convert to their ridiculously distorted extremist Sunni Wahhabism. Wahhabism sort of based ideology. If they didn't line up with that, they slaughter them. They're going after Muslims. They're going after anybody who gets in their path. If they don't convert, well, they get met by the sword. They lose their heads. And see, ISIS has also served another purpose because when you kind of zoom out and look at this from above, especially in light of the different phases of how this went forward, you begin to see something else. Now, I think it was interesting that Matthew brought up the uh, Sykes-Picot and that entire idea there was to divide and conquer because, yeah, that, that sums it up. When America invaded Iraq in 2003 to overthrow Saddam under their uh, false pretense of weapons of mass destruction – when they got in there, they started doing something that caused a whole heck of a lot more turmoil than people at first understood. They referred to it in Iraq. They call it confessions, confessionals. They divided the Iraqis because the Iraqis before this, they just looked at everybody else as being an Iraqi. But they started a divide where they began to divide the Sunni and the Shia because you have a predominantly Shia-based population in Iran they didn't care about any of this prior to America coming in there and all of a sudden stirring up a division amongst them unfortunately it served a very well wicked purpose What else can I call mass bloodshed? That divide caused sectarian fighting between the different groups, between the Shia, between the Sunni. But almost making matters worse, the original founder, who was known as al zakari who was a branch of the Iraqi al-Qaeda, which was essentially on top of it. Well, he was the first leader of Islamic State. See, he would have never been uh, so prominently amplified if it wasn't for the American military making a decision to prominently amplify him and take him to a whole new heights and prominence. Further strengthening this divide that had been caused in Iraq. And you can go back, there's actual documentation out there, there's files that have been written up, there's declassified files, you can see the interviews this is exactly what America did he would have remained as just he wouldn't have been so prominent at the forefront if it hadn't been for a campaign to put him at that forefront place so of course the divide got deeper and deeper and deeper as time progresses after al Zakari was killed of course we had al-Baghdadi takes the helm much later in history after they all were allowed to sit inside of that camp and sort of uh, get together and plan how they were going to make their next emergence onto the scene. As we talked about before, we've got pretty clear-cut evidence that the Assyrian himself was showing up there and giving the orders. And then, of course, Islamic State broke out What happens next? Well, we know what happened next. It caused the entire world all of a sudden to focus on that one specific major problem at the time. And when you begin to step back and you look at our current circumstance, by having everybody focusing on this one group that emerged, well, this has allowed other power players to slide into the place in the meantime. We can even see the ramifications of this, of course, a lot deeper than just the fact of Islamic State. But, of course, Iran now having a major foothold in Syria, Russia's in the mix. I still have yet to completely comprehend what in the world they're up to out there. This is far more uh, complex, I think, than we even understand. But this, of course, has allowed other... Groups to rise to prominence and right in its specific time Iran has gained a major foothold all throughout the Middle East but as you had one set of forces move through that exact it was the exact same map of the ancient Assyrian empires they went up and came in and they're still all over the place they're not going away anytime soon you know, contrary to popular American opinion where they just sort of repeat whatever comes out of a certain someone's mouth, Islamic State has not been wiped out by any stretch of the imagination. Just because they've disappeared through a good amount of the areas in Syria or Iraq, and they're still popping up, there's still reports of attacks taking place, they're coming forward in prominence in other important specific regions. like For instance, the Sinai, which also has some Muslim Brotherhood hidden in the mix there as well. But that's what they do. They stay lurking in the shadows. It's kind of wrapping all this back around. You see, here's, here's the extreme issue in this. You know, and as I even brought it back up again, because it's rather eye-opening if you go in and specifically take the spelling... From the Hebrew from Micah five verse five. And this shall be peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes among men. And when you look at that Hebrew word, you shouldn't be surprised that this shows up twice in Ezekiel thirty four lock, stock, and barrel with the bad shepherds. And that's the whole sort of problem here is because there's bad shepherds on every side of the equation at this point. There's too many parallels going on here between things that have happened throughout America starting in the late 1800s that happened in the Middle East in the late 1800s that brought in these heretical teachings across multiple religions to the point that when you begin to consider the similarities between the two, you really start to get sick to your stomach. You won't see it at first. The more you start digging into what's transpired here over the last couple of hundred years and really exploded all throughout the world, At that 1979 pivot point Like I said You get sick to your stomach I mean Let me ask uh, a question I'm going to have Matthew expand upon Because we talked about it last night Now I know many out there Nowadays will In America will try to Somehow get into everybody's head That Ronald Reagan Was the Christian president Because you know Let us consider something See, Ayatollah Khomeini in 1979, 1980, he framed what he was doing during that overthrow in Iran as being a battle between good and evil. Certain president found himself sitting in power that also used that exact same rhetoric between the battle with uh, Russia and the United States. This is a battle between good and evil. So those that have sort of gotten caught up within the um, political circles have sort of uh, been privy to this uh, right wing, dominionist even, to the extreme end of it, ideas that have floated around out there. I have to ask this. And that's where I'm going to let Matthew expand. How many of you people have considered the previous president and what he was? Because when you consider this pivot point and you look at Jimmy Carter, and then you look at the parallels between the next administration and what's happening here in Iran, it becomes very bothersome if you know what you're looking at. I'll have Matthew come in on that for a little bit.
0: Well, not too many people have looked at Jimmy Carter. Um Through the lens of his belief Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Carter was a Christian And as a matter of fact, he's uh, played his part in even the uh, creation of Habitat for Humanity And when he got in office, once you do your checking You realize that the entire crusader element uh, formed up lines against him and completely tried to tear his administration apart now this goes <clears throat> pretty deep even into uh, some things that happened militarily with, Jimmy, uh, with uh, Jimmy Carter but ladies and gentlemen Jimmy Carter was actually trying to do what was right and he being a man of peace well he was most thoroughly ...thrown underneath the bus by the Crusaders. I mean, doesn't take a whole lot of looking into to discover the information. It's just that nobody chooses to do any investigating into Jimmy Carter because, you know, um, he has been displayed as uh, one of the worst presidents in history. And that has been done. That has been promoted. By the Very Christians uh, That should have been supporting him That's a fact Whether you like it or not That's the fact So With that in mind uh, Let's go back to the Well next President with strong religious ties Everybody know JFK Well Don't have to say Too much about that now do we I mean and just just the amount of lying that goes on about why you know JFK was murdered is just absolutely ridiculous. Um just absolutely ridiculous that uh, the simple fact is is that he ordered the treasury to start printing actual money instead of notes. They put a stop to that real quick. So with that in mind, they have done everything they have been able to do, brought every resource to bear to make sure that good shepherds are not followed. And this isn't just in this country. If you think this is just in this country, you're grossly mistaken. I mean, if everything that the shepherds tell you is true – How were the Assyrian Christians ever there? How were they ever able to live in... I mean, me and Brian's even posted maps of all the villages up and down the Tigris and Euphrates. That is an obvious lie. Uh, They had literally been living in those Muslim areas for thousands of years until the rise of Isis. And the Assyrians' track was begun again. So with that in mind, consider that, ladies and gentlemen, we are dealing with a different animal. Ladies and gentlemen, these crusaders, it doesn't matter if they're Christians or if they're Muslims, they're going after the same thing. Ezekiel 34 lays it out quite plainly to you. Quite plainly. They use the fat sheep to deceive the lean sheep. The Muslims, they go about it a different way because they have a different commodity of great value and great quantity. It's called the black gold. They do it for the exact same reasons. Different place, different commodity of choice. Same exact intentions to be self-serving. Brian?
1: Well, unfortunately, that really is at the root of this matter. And I've talked about it before, and folks, the more you begin to look at the timeline of when things really began to be stirred up throughout the entirety of the world, you lock it back going to that 1890s, going into the early 1900s, oil became a scourge upon the earth. It really did. You know, folks, stop and consider what World War I would have been like without oil. What World War II would have been like without oil. Sadly, stop and consider what happens to any of these nations that have vast deposits of oil. I mean, just look. Go in and take a look at everything that's been happening in Africa lately. I wonder how many of you have actually done that. Stuff happening in Africa is unbelievable. People are being just slaughtered by brutal warlords that have been tied in and brought into these varied groups, be it Al-Qaeda, be it a branch of ISIS, be it whatever branch it may be, which, like I stated before, it's all, each and every one of these, it's an offshoot from Muslim Brotherhood. It's this ideology that started them all. I wonder how many people have looked. Boko Haram, for instance. How many of you know what's been happening in Nigeria, Sudan, Somalia? What about Libya? I mean, it's been declassified the United States' role in taking out Muammar Gaddafi. So we don't need to speculate any longer if the United States was behind that because it's been declassified. The United States was behind taking him out. How much instability has that caused in Libya ever since then? And people should be a little concerned about that. We have all this breaking out all throughout these different regions throughout the world. The whole world has become a war zone at this point. When you start looking at some of the uh, – even going up into the Asian areas, go up into Malaysia, Indonesia – all kinds of different areas. The, all of this is just breaking out all throughout the world. You know, there's times where everybody kind of sits back and talks about World War Three, And you kind of, after a while, the more you keep looking at everything that's been breaking out since 1979, you almost you sort of ask yourself, this is World War something. I mean, it's all dependent, because, I mean, people have put point fives on the end of, Two or .5s on the end of World War One, because it's been a continual, nonstop war. The end of World War Two ended up its direct result ended up being the Cold War. Cold War, while well, that was still brewing, that pivot point, 1979, where Russia went. Well, they went into the graveyard of nations. They left into Afghanistan. This, between that amongst many other factors, was really what ultimately brought about their downfall. As I said, amongst many other factors, because there was internal factors in the Soviet Union. There was external factors. For instance, uh, because one of you know to this day they're still one of the biggest distributors of natural gas and of oil. But they played a game with OPEC to make sure all the prices dropped down so oil was worth almost nothing. So on top of it, you had economic ramifications that also led to this. Of course, you had people very unhappy about the ruling regime over them during the Soviet Union as well that had boiled to a head. Then after the Soviet Union fell, of course, the Western world had to once again do what they did and stir the pot and made them have an economic collapse that I would say is very uh, similar to what happened when Germany was collapsed. This is bad news on those streets. This is bad news in uh, Russia. Once again, that black gold is at the forefront. And it even ties deeply into some events that are happening here. I mean, uh, Oh, for Pete's sakes, I can't remember it off the top of my head. One of the main Muslim areas, it's Breakaway Nation, out there by the Caucasus, Mountain Region, Chechnya. That's what it is. They just showed up again in the news this week. Apparently, Islamic State's rolling through that area as well. That's caused all sorts of problems throughout there. Yet you've got all these same areas surrounding these regions that have got that oh so major black gold it is a coincidence folks that when the oil surveyors came into the Middle East that they began to realize that they should start looking in the places where the people that worshipped fire know, of course we will tie that into the Zoroastrian groupings you can take it into some of the Ancient beliefs from those people in that region. We go up by the Caspian, by the Baku oil basin. Once again, major area of fire worship. Why? Because, well, you have eternal flames bursting forth from the ground throughout many of these areas. They knew to look there. That's where those deposits were for oil. It sort of gets haunting when you start connecting that parallel, you start looking at all the parallels we're seeing. Happening right in front of our eyes because they all keep connecting. You know, I brought the uh, the path of Alexander the Great up. I'd, I'd keep this in the back of your head as well as we move forward in this series because we're approaching it. How much do people realize that Bill Kurdistan has been in the news nonstop, or what about Kirkuk? That's been in the news nonstop as well if you're watching that part of the world, as you should be. Kurdistan's very important. Bill, Darius the Great had, uh, or not Darius the Great, Darius III, set his uh, chariots and his warriors there at first, trying to understand where Alexander was approaching from. At some point, they had moved away from there to where the Battle of Gaugamela played out, and this is one of the most... Uh, Hotly debated topics as to where that location is It appears to me that Michael Wood has done some extensive work on this And he may be the most likely to have identified its spot It took place somewhere northwest of Rebil After Darius III fled in that battle After everything transpired that day Well, later on, Alexander jumps on his horse, heads right to her bill. As time progresses here in a very short procession in time, shows up in uh, Kirkuk. It's rather interesting what happened there. As they lit from the oil, a road of fire for Alexander the Great to walk down. Is it coincidental that all these things are coming up on a continual basis in the news Let me ask this Is it coincidental that this week Released out of Jerusalem Post Is where I first caught it That the leadership In Israel is pushing For The entirety Of Kurdistan Independence Not just the little region in Iraq No it's entirety The entirety of the land That was taken from them during the division of the sykes picot agreement. Because you've got them. Why don't everybody count? You have them in Syria. You go south. You have them in Iraq. You go to the east of them. You have them in Iran. You go to the north. You have them in Turkey. You see that. Has always been their homeland. And of course. When they divided all the land. So that the oil barons could get at their oil, they left them without their home. So Israel stands up this week trying to push through legislation to back them declaring independence. And it's not just the Iraqi Kurds at this point. No, it's for the whole of Kurdistan. Then this week, within a few hours, come to find out after I go and look through um, Kurdistan's news sources, There's reports that in Iraq, they're trying to tear down their divisions amongst each other so they can all work together in Kurdish Iraq. But lo and behold, over the border up north in Syria, the same thing is happening. Now, as far as what's happening with the Kurds in Iran or Turkey, well, they're not going to allow that to hit the media. And, I mean, folks, that's what I really have to ask here as we continue on this thread. I mean, what is it that your bad shepherds have you watching? Because n- I, how many of your shepherds are telling you to look in any of these places? Maybe my greater question is why. What is it they don't want you to see? You know, for instance, um, I found it rather interesting that I um, pulled up YouTube last night because, of course, I'm trying to track down more uh, – documentaries as I had run out of my decent ones on uh, different video services that we have here so I can get a hold of these documentaries. And, of course, YouTube will have a good amount of them put up for free that you can go through and view that you don't usually have access to. But I noticed a couple of things that were put up by Vice News, and one of these, they just reposted it back to Vice News in the last week. It was actually made during the Obama administration, but it was right on time Right on target it was Talking about this branch That has really come to the forefront After the embassy was moved From Tel Aviv to Jerusalem You see it brought up The branch within the um, You know They want to use the blanket name I don't like using because Not all evangelicals are dominionist So I don't like using that Blanket name But they brought up those connections to what's literally this is the Dominionist threat that's really who's at the heart of this here, and they pointed out their apocalyptic vision for the reasons that they're supporting Israel. You know some of these groupings out there at first glance, you would think that what they're trying to do is a good thing, but when you look into their ideologies you begin to realize that their reasoning for how they see Israel is, well, they're trying to bring about the last days. And that's that's where the Vice News clip was rather interesting, because you can clearly see this as a, a young Jewish man that was doing these interviews as he went from place to place, be it out in Israel, and coming back here into the United States even to point out certain figures that, we pointed out many times. I mean, folks, look. It's common knowledge who's at the head of the um, infamous Christian Zionist movement. I don't need to give a name. Just go look into it. As he goes back and forth and back and forth and looks at these branches, he comes out and he sees this. Uh, they're standing out at uh, the plain of Megiddo, overlooking it. And, of course, they're talking about their distorted Bad shepherd version of end times prophecy. You just got to sit back and listen to what they say. I mean, I know how many people in America seem to think that everything has been peachy keen when it has just happened here, with the declarations made by this current administration, with the moving of the embassy, they even compare them to somebody else that was um, known as a shepherd in the Bible. I personally find that very insulting that they would even make that comparison, but they do. Everybody knows full well that this the reason that they weren't moving the embassy before is because the previous administrations were afraid of what kind of turmoil this would cause throughout the Middle East. They were afraid of the fact that this would cause everything to explode. And look what's happened since this declaration has been made Look what's happened since the embassy was moved on that same day As a matter of fact That's exactly what it's caused It's caused the entire Middle East to flare up How many threats are coming from How many different directions Centered against Israel now Let me pose a question Because I'm going to stop myself here Because I'm sure Matthew will have a good chuckle with this Folks, what would you have done if Obama was doing all this stuff? I asked somebody that here. Oh boy, because I knew what they were going to say then. Folks, don't you understand these roots, these parallels between the starting phases on the, boat, the with the bad shepherds on both sides of this equation? The parallels are disgusting. You know, and I know some people don't like it when I talk about this stuff, but here's the thing. If we're going to teach what the Bible says, the Bible talks about this on a continual basis. So if I'm going to do my job, I can't leave this sit, can I? Because that's doing a great disservice by leaving it sit. I'm going to hand it back over to Matthew for a little bit here.
0: Well, Brian. We all know that uh, Obama's the Antichrist, right? You didn't get that memo from like a decade ago from the Crusaders? Uh, Yes, the main uh, proponent of uh, Christian Zionism certainly stated that uh, he was the Antichrist. Um, But I guess that came up zeros. We've moved on to bigger and better things, I guess. But ladies and gentlemen, the world is held hostage to these wolves in sheep's clothing on all sides of the equation. You know, if they can find a shepherd in a particular religion that has a little bit of a radical... Arm him and his followers. Doesn't matter what country they're in. They get armed and then they get danger. That's the way it works. Doesn't matter what country you're talking about. It's the way it always works. It's the way it always has worked. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, all these cunningly devised fables that are just out there floating around, it's just amazing to me. If you want to talk hardcore Bible prophecy with somebody, you're, boy, you're going to hear nothing but the crickets chirping. I mean, I try to talk to them. They have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just quoting scripture. They have no idea what I'm talking about. I mean, if they don't know the plain English version of their particular flavor, doesn't matter. Revised Standard Version, KJV, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you don't even know what God says is going to happen and how he's going to do it, I mean, let's just bring up one particular section. If you don't know what the apocalypse of Isaiah says is going to happen, we can't have an intelligent conversation about Bible prophecy. Because you have no idea what's coming. You've completely ignored everything he himself said. You just ignored it. Um, So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, you need to realize that uh, you really are supposed to pray for your enemies. (laughs) You really are. But just take note that the ones you've been told are your enemies – their shepherds have been telling them the same exact thing about you. And the name that they have for you is the great Satan. Mm-hmm. That's what they call Christian evangelicals, uh, Christian Protestants, Christian Pentecostal. You're the great Satan. You didn't know that? And they have a world of evidence to prove That be true, because, ladies and gentlemen, who would take a precision-guided munition and target a school? Well, they don't have to be able to read English. As the plane flies over, they can just look at the insignia. Oh, they know what the insignia means. I mean, let's talk about the Pakistanis. How many Pakistani weddings have we hit with precision guided munitions. Deliberately targeting weddings. There's your proof. You are the great Satan. I mean, how many hospitals have we bombed again? And got nowhere. We got nowhere until the Ruskies showed up. Have we for all have we all forgotten that? So the people on the ground Um, They call you the great Satan for a reason because you don't do anything about it. Well, you do the exact same thing that the uh, citizens of Rome did. You don't do anything. You just let your army prance around the entire uh, globe, slaughtering thousands and thousands of people every day. Countries that don't even have a standing army to defend themselves. Yep. That's fact. You know who would do that, don't you? Satan. Yeah. That's who would do that. Hey, man, I got one for you. i um, got a lot of correspondence from uh, Irish people here lately, a couple of preachers in Ireland asking me to pray for the – I guess they're having a referendum on abortion. Why don't you go to a Muslim country and go into the hospital and ask for an abortion? They'll cut your head off. Well, they'll let you have your baby first. Then they'll cut your head off for being insane. Because a woman that would murder the baby in her own womb, the Muslims know she's crazy. Because even dogs. Well, I got a better one for you. Let's use the entertainment industry. Even jackals. Don't do that. No, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not trying to have any bad parallels there to the Irish people in particular. But the people in Ireland need to get a clue. You will get every single God-hating abortionist in Great Britain flown over to the island, uh, taken over to the island in boats, no they won't be irish but they'll certainly vote i mean get a clue so i'm i'm sorry you people in ireland i, I really am because like it's it's common knowledge what they do right now they're coming in by the boatload literally to come vote but they're not irish citizens they're they're great britain citizens they're scottish And they're really not citizens of any community. They're God-hating abortionists that murder their own babies. And you see, you priests and you preachers out there, you follow the law, therefore you can't win. I mean, there'll probably be ten times the votes cast than actual Irish people that vote. And I'm sorry about that, but... Let me inform you of something, okay? Now, I did pray for you, but I need to inform you. You're not a citizen of Ireland, for God's sakes. Get that through your head. You're a citizen of what Bible prophecy refers to as Egypt. You're a slave. Look, if you live in Scotland, you're not a citizen of Scotland. If you've been saved, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You just haven't been reborn yet. Yeah. Let me explain it to you prophetically. When Christ gets back, you're going to be changed. That's going to be like a birth. Okay? So right now you're like a baby in the womb that hasn't been born yet. So come to grips with that. You people in Canada... You're not Canadians if you're a Christian. And you're never gonna win. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, only Christians obey the law. I mean that's like Brian actually has a chance of changing any single thing by going and voting in Wisconsin. That's a that's a, oh my good, That's a pathetic thought to even think. I mean, let's talk about the last joker they voted in. Ladies and gentlemen, they come in by the plane load, the bus load, from different states to come vote in Wisconsin. You're not a citizen of Wisconsin. You're not a citizen of Florida or California. You're supposed to act like you're a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And God is, do you know why Jesus is coming back? He's coming back to deliver you from the abortionist. He's coming back to uh, deliver you from whatever bad guy you think is running the show politically. I guess to some people that's liberal, you know, some people that's conservative. Look, if you're a Christian living in Russia's borders, you're not Russian because if you are, you're not going to have a very good day. When he who sitteth upon the throne Decides to come have look-see What he's got in his flock Because if you don't have the wherewithal To understand that He will be able to immediately perceive Whether you're a sheep or a goat You need to go Re-educate yourself Brian? Oh, and that's uh,
1: You know, I'm uh, I got a little bit of a riddle I kind of want to drop out there and see if people can recognize which side of the fence I'm talking about. You know, We can start with the beginning of one group in 1928. We can start with another group in 1935, seven years later. Or we can go backwards and look at those parallels in the 1800s. Ah, Let's start with the 1800s. Why not? Let's see. They wanted to look at a new way of doing things within their religious establishment, so they started... Looking at the esoteric, they started wandering around in those circles at the same time as, well, that's kind of when an esoteric revival had taken place across the whole of the European nations, filtered down into the Middle East, went over to the United States. Well, so these groups all began to walk around and and get involved with these groupings. But then as things progressed, as you got up to 1928 and 1935, they said, we're doing things wrong. We need to take the main seats of power. You see this mercy and all that, no, 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 we got it wrong. We need to control all the money. We need to control the seats of power. And as things progress, that's what they do. Some behind the scenes in the shadows, some in the forefront. Time progresses. You come to 1979 and 1980, all of a sudden we have a battle between good and evil. Well, we need to mobilize our foot soldiers. I wonder how many of you can separate the difference between which two groups I'm talking about right now. You know, Matthew brought up something interesting. And I think this is the only reason I even decided to go this way this week, because a discussion came up here in our house. And we started talking about how it is that certain groups work. And we kind of got to the discussion about guns, armaments, weapons. And as I sort of tailored the riddle in my house to see if they got what I was saying, I began asking them, Let's look at our histories. Who is it that has guns? On one side of the line, you've had cults. Other sides, you've had militants. Of course, you've had, obviously, armies as well, but we're keeping that out of the equation right now. I'm talking about a separate grouping. Okay, but what happens when those guns are in the hands of the guys that their minds have been twisted by bad shepherds? Then you start asking the next question as we come forward in history. Who has the guns? Well, in the Middle East, we can see what's been happening with uh, ones whose minds have been distorted by the bad shepherds. With what they're doing with their illegal armaments. Well, you call those terrorists. You know, here was the thing that really bothered me. You know, my neck of the woods, some people locally. I I really, really couldn't understand what in the world had overthrown their minds. You see, because all of a sudden they start putting for their backdrops on their social network, they've got pictures of guns with the American flag overlapping it. Oh, but then they find another one that they thought was really... um, Well, I know what they thought it was. I think it's disturbing. They found another one with a little girl that had two six-shooters in her hand. They thought this was funny. And then the Has anybody stopped to think about that? What happens with these on one side of the equation where the Bad Shepherds have come in and completely twisted their minds? What are they doing with their guns right now? Why didn't any of you see this coming? You didn't think it wasn't going to happen on the other side of the aisle? Has anybody stopped to consider the number one-fourth that seems to keep coming up here? Because every time you're finding out these elections that half the people aren't even showing up, they just they know the whole system is rigged against them. They don't even bother to show up anymore. Of course, there's nations where they're forced, but that's a different part. That's a different story. Those nations, like I've got friends in Australia, for instance, they'll write in. Uh, you know, like my one friend, uh, he would write in his own candidate, which was some make believe character he made up called Trump Pedro. Point is, is that's what they're doing in these nations where they're being forced to vote because they know full well that this system of Egypt is rigged against them. But then you have the other half of the population. But I mean, at the same time, we kind of have to add a little bit more numbers in because at least in America, it's proven there's voter suppression going on like it's just unbelievable that's targeting minorities all bought and paid for by one group of people. Uh, what do they call those guys again? Oh, libertarians. That's what they're calling them. Uh-huh. So it's good to be one of those. It's good to be a nationalist. It's good to be a libertarian as well. That's code. Oh, yeah, the Koch brothers.
0: Hmm.
1: We've got voter suppression that's happening here. and We've actually had it just happen in the Iraqi election as well. But guess what? All these spots you keep finding out where voluntary votes... Are taking place, 50% showing up. But who's winning? Only the groups that one quarter. Only the groups that one quarter is picking. Folks, has anybody asked the question of this upcoming war here? Why is it that one-fourth of the population has been singled out? Have you sat back and looked at these numbers? You know, I found it rather alarming and disturbing and making matters worse, didn't surprise me because I've already seen these uh, bad shepherds at this one. You see, they're convinced that the new privacy policies that are going out is being used as a tool to censor their voices. Folks, do yourself a favor and read those privacy policies. I have. I see what they're putting a stop to. And they're putting a stop to these things because these things have never been acceptable in society. Go ahead and read those because anything you log into now, those new privacy policies are being released. Read them because I've seen the bad shepherds at work here, trying to convince everybody that all oh, of these are these are stacked against them. Really? Hmm. I mean, let's, uh, let's talk about Darius the Great here because, you know, it was rather ironic somebody brought this up, and rightly so, when they started using this infamous terminology about fake news. As they pointed out, several articles came out at about the same time from prominent historians on sites that are actually worth looking at about the first person in history that pulled the stunt of fake news. Let's look at what Darius the Great had to say here. Darius the King says these are the providence, provinces which became rebellious. The lie made them rebellious so that these men deceived the people. Afterwards, I heard a to put them into my hand. As was my desire, so I did to them. Darius the King says, you who shall be king hereafter, protect yourself vigorously from the lie. The man who shall be a lie follower him do you punish well if thus you shall think may my country be secure Darius the king says this is what I did by the favor of Ahura Mazda and one in the same year I did it you who shall there hereafter read this inscription let that which has been done by my convince you done by me convince you Do not think it a lie. You see, you can go on through this um, Bison inscription. You can pull this up all over the place. This one happens to be from Avesta.org that I'm looking at. Hit Control-F for you using a computer. Those of you on phones, there's ways to also do the same function. I don't remember off the top of my head. Type in lie. Go through this and look at what it was that Darius was doing to subdue anybody that would rise up against what he had just done by seizing that throne. Ahura Mazda, he keeps stating, was whom put him in power. Remember where we started this out, folks, with the Ayatollah Khomeini making his statement that he believed he was contacted by the angel Gabriel. Folks, do you not realize what prince he was talking to? You know... It bothers me a lot when I look at what happened in 1979 when Jimmy Carter, they had come down to the administration, didn't know what else to do, and the only thing they could come to the conclusion of, because the people in Iran would not try to come to any kind of diplomatic solution. They had all the people hostage. And I want to make a correction here. I had come across another stream of information where it wasn't pointed out before, where I brought up Amin Adinajad and him being connected to the hostage takers in Iran, well, it turns out that he stood against it and walked away from them. So he was not involved. That kind of sheds more light, I think, on why recent events, after these protests in January, why it is once again, he stood up and said, you guys are out of line, and all kinds of trouble started. So now I understand what happened. So at least I can shed more light on that now that I understand what really took place you know, of course, that administration at the time of Carter, they were put in a very difficult spot. they They finally came to that decision. They were going to bring in those helicopters or refueling planes. And they were going to come in there with commandos to overthrow those areas in Iran and get back those hostages. Unfortunately, things went very badly. They came in during the refueling. As the chopper was going up, hit one of the refueling planes. People were killed. More of these people were taken hostage. It was a very unfortunate event that transpired. It's a very unfortunate event with all the things that transpired, as a matter of fact, during those 1979 revolution and forward, because they went after everybody. And they killed them, they assassinated them. So when you look at what Darius the Great is saying here on top of it, you begin to realize, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh same thing is happening you know folks there were, there was a lot of Jewish people on the ground there some of them were able to get out but not all of them were there's still Jewish people on the ground there there were people that had to find ways to get out on planes some of them were able to get out there was others where they had to try to track them through the Zagros mountains to get them out horrible things happened to them horrible things are still continuing to happen to them in Iran there's American diplomats Some of them managed to get out of the way and hide. Some of them were caught during the midst of the hostage crisis. But Iran went on a rampage at that time, and they killed anybody that was standing against them. And I guess this becomes disturbing when you stop and consider that um, certain people within our administration here in the United States keep bringing up this uh, group that I've talked about many, many times in the past, the Mujahideen Kalk. MEK the Iranian resistance you know as this author this book that I mentioned earlier uh, brings up the secret war with Iran the 30 year clandestine struggle against the world's most dangerous terrorist power he points out and I've looked into their uh, beliefs and all that and he says they're just as bad as the Ayatollahs and their uh, twisted belief system and yeah I would say they are Matter of fact, they almost wiped out the Ayatollahs' leaders that he was trying to set up with a great big bomb. Killed a whole bunch of them in a building. You See, there's uh, little bits and pieces that I've gone through the progression here. New things that I learn about this. That MEK, that's a dangerous gamble for anybody in this government to even be considering. They're, it's just, it's two sides of the same coin. It's not, no, that's not going to work. And I mean, for those of you in the, um, I know at least one conservative news channel out there, they keep pushing them as being the ideal people to take the reins and regime change here in Iran, because that's all they're talking about again. So, of course, they were bringing them up back in January. They're floating them out there again. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, you want another disaster on your hands? Keep pushing in that direction That's not the way things Are going to play out here Kind of to bring this forward Back to the parallel like I was stating before You know commentators Began to notice the similarities Between what Darius the Great had done here And the um, Stunt that was pulled by labeling things as Fake news They realized it was the same propaganda campaign Well Yeah Oh yeah most certainly because to cover his path of his indiscretions, this is exactly what he used. Anything that spoke contrary to what he said, well, you're following after the lie. Because that fight between the truth and the lie, you see, if you followed after that lie and their belief system, it would undo the entire fabric of creation. That's why he knew to do this. You see, Darius the Great was not a naive, dumb man. He was rather tactical genius in the way he went about this but this is the same pattern you look at what happened there in 79 and Iran you're going to begin to realize these parallels it's one and the same thing you can't escape it you know i want to bring up an article that was released here yesterday before i hand this out over to matthew for the last 5 minutes or so here and i'm actually was quite glad that one of our listeners stated the uh, obvious after you look at this Washington Post caught a hold of this After an article was released on uh, I believe it's CBN off the top Yeah On um, Christian Broadcasting Network The group's least likely To think the U.S. has a responsibility To accept refugees Well I'm going to change the name here But we can't make all Evangelicals the bad guys Dominionist Crusaders I sometimes refer to them As Nicolaitans It's really what it's talking about here. Uh, Just to give a little, little idea of what was stated here, in February 2017, as debate raged nationally over President Trump's decision to curtail immigration to the United States, the conservative Christian broadcasting network dipped into the Bible to share what the sacred text said about refugees. Treat refugees the way you want to be treated, it said, quoting Leviticus. Invite the stranger in. Matthew Open your door to the Traveler Job The first comment in reply to the article Captures the tone Of the rest of the feedback The site received Shame on CBN For this poorly Very poorly written article Full Of political rhetoric This is not a biblical issue Okay Really? Really? Hmm. like I said one of our listeners stated exactly reality this is not Christianity this is a disturbing political entity she would be correct I'll let Matthew have the last three and a half or so minutes
0: here well I don't know how I can put it any differently than you just did ah yes All the prophecies are properly in place. The love of most has waxed cold. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what you need is a good swift kick. Guess what? That's what you're waiting on. A good swift kick. Hard enough to knock you right off your 23.4 degree axis And send you headlong into the days of Noah. Ladies and gentlemen, what you say don't matter. It's what you do that matters. You know you're running out of time, don't you? I mean, if you just now realize that he who sitteth upon the throne is going to have his day before the Lamb does... Man, you've got a lot of catching up to do. If I'm making you nervous, well, that's the least of your worries. I mean, your shepherds have actually taught you to be afraid of fictional characters, but you're going to find out in whose presence you will truly be fearful. I hope not a day late, a dollar short, because he's coming. You know. <laughs> Uh, Do you know that uh, for the past several years all geologists have known that one side of our core has crystallized because every time there's an earthquake we pick up the echolocation? So much for the flat earth, you idiots, but hey, that's beside the point. I appreciate a cunningly devised fable as much as the next person. Did you know that you're interstellar wind, its origin is no longer at the center of the galaxy. It's moved north, clear across the ecliptic into the sign of the Restrainer. Are you nervous yet, or are you so entertained that if I don't use fancy visual aids to show you, you can't get what I'm talking about? You will. You'll get it. Both barrels, point-blank range, square in the chest. You're going to get it. So if you can't find in the Bible where the Antichrist is thrown into the lake of fire, you need to create your own checklist for the end times. (laughs) I suggest you start working on it as soon as this episode ends. And Let me remind you. No, I don't think I will. I think I've said enough. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. Godspeed. Brian?
1: Well, as I just stated to you, you might want to fill me in here. The on-air recording left is at zero, so I don't know if I get overtime with my account or what the deal is.
0: Uh, that's a good question. I guess we're going to find out. Um, you do have the paid account, right? Yes, Indeed. Well, you should be rolling into overtime, but it's not telling you that you are. says recording left at zero. We're still connected to the host, though, so I don't know. Well, I don't know. Um, I guess what a I test guess, to find out. Yep. I guess if
1: we're still recording, folks, I'll just say this. I just went over to the CBN News article that they referenced here and you will be highly disturbed because the article itself, oh, it's got nine points in it, but here's the problem. It's like they said, if you go down and look at these comments, whomever all you people are that are making these comments, you should seriously be ashamed of yourselves. And I I could, see, because they're all named, and you've got to be logged into certain social networks to even comment on these things. You've exposed what you are to the whole world. This is very disgusting. I don't know, folks. I don't know what these people are thinking. Maybe that's half the problem. If we're still on air, and this is recording, thanks for joining us. God bless. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?